I want to just talk about for the next few weeks before, uh, and really months, until we end this year, every time that I have the privilege of speaking here, to talk about um, the whole subject of being healthy, strong. Everyone say that. Healthy, strong. So if you're really interactive this morning, you know how it goes. We go fast. But if, you go, if you're not very you know, interactive, then I'll just go a little bit slower. Okay. I was uh, talking to a lady who um, someone had asked us to meet. She is on TV a lot. She ministers a lot. Um, she's an author of books. And so she came to see us. And um, I wanted other people that I know and trust to just spend a little bit of time with us. So I invited to different meals with other people that I knew and trusted. And I said, could you just tell me what you think? about this particular person and about their ministry and just most of all, their own soul. And let me drop this lady off and the the couple that I had with me, I turned to to his wife and I said, "Um, what do you think of this lady? And she said this, she said, she's strong, but she's healthy strong. And I thought, wow, that's really profound. She said, she's strong, but she's healthy, strong. And I said, great, thanks very much. Is that all you got? She goes, yep. (laughs) And this couple jumped out, and I was driving home, and when I got home, I just wrote it down, and I just felt God began to, you know, when sometimes you hear a word or a soundbite or a scripture or a principle or a story, it begins to percolate in your own heart, and something develops out of it, and from that developed this series called Healthy Strong. Everyone say healthy, strong. We can be healthy, and not be strong. We can strong and not be healthy, but God wants us, his people, to be healthy and healthy strong. We have a conference the first week in November right here in St. Charles where different pastors from around the world who are connected to our ministry are going to come, and we are going to do a whole conference on being healthy and healthy strong because the truth is God wants his people really healthy and really strong. And any relationship is only as healthy as the least person in that relationship. And how, de- how healthy we are will determine how everything that we are responsible for is. And each one of us have got responsibilities. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Is that okay? You know, we are, I'm going to go just go without notes today and just stay with me. I just, in fact, let's pray because that will really help me. Can we pray? Whew, yeah, should have done that already. Yeah. Lord, Father, we just thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you that your word is life. And I thank you for the soil of our hearts. And Lord, I just speak to the soil. I speak to everyone's heart in this room right now. And as your word comes, God, I ask that it would come to a heart that is soft, a heart that is prepared, a heart that has been watered, a heart that is ready to receive your word that is unchanging. And God, as I thank you that your word cuts us. I thank you that your word changes us. I thank you that your word encourages us. I thank you that your word comforts us. I thank you that your word never returns void. And go, so Holy Spirit, as we read your word today, I ask, Holy Ghost, that you would touch each and every single one of us in this room. And it would change us so that your word, not me, but your word, would change us from the inside out in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. If you can turn to First Samuel, First Samuel, First Samuel. You guys okay? You guys ready? Excited? I love the word of God. Okay. Um, I've not preached this before, um, but this has just been percolating in my heart on this theme of being healthy and healthy strong. You know, we, are, we serve a triune God. Uh, the God that we serve is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Agreed? And we are triune beings, spirit, soul, and body. Agreed? So very quickly, spirit, soul, and body. We are spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. We are made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, spirit, soul, and body. I was sitting in a meeting with Heidi Baker recently, and you know when someone's speaking and you kind of just wander off in your mind and you're just, someone says something or you read a scripture like some of you might be doing now, like, oh, what, what, what did you say? And I started thinking about the number three and how powerful the number three is. 
And the, the, the number three speaks of the Trinity. So when you see things in threes, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, pressed down, shaking together, running over, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. I could go on and on, but there's something so powerful about the number three. And so we have a God that is made up of three parts, and we ourselves are triune beings that are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And the only part of us, church, that is going to go to heaven is our spirit. That is the part that is born again. That is the part that's been recreated. That's the part where the Holy Spirit lives. And the Bible says that we are born of an incorruptible seed. So it's our spirit. That's why Paul says we're to know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. Another translation says deep calls to deep. There's something in our spirit, man, that needs to be built up more and more and more. That's why in Romans 8 verse 6 it says this. The mind controlled by the spirit. Everyone say spirit. Spirit. The mind controlled. Everyone say controlled. We don't really like that word control. Don't control me. But the Bible says that our mind needs to be controlled by the spirit. And so often our spirit man is so depleted. It's like a little balloon that needs to be blown up and needs to expand so that our spirit man is bigger than our head. Because the mind controlled by the spirit is life and it's peace and God wants to live us in life and he wants us to live in peace that means we need to work not just on thinking more and I love the I love thinking I'm going to talk a lot about the the mind today but we need to enlarge our spirit man so that it can control our minds so please hear this I'm not saying we need to throw our minds the Bible says we have the mind of Christ but Romans 12 says this, and please, I'm, I know I go fast sometimes because I don't have so much time. I'm packing a whole bunch of stuff, stuff in. But go back and you can um, study these scriptures for yourself. But read it in Romans chapter 12. And Paul starts to the church in Romans and he says this, Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's our mind that needs to be transformed. He goes on to say, if you do this, you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. But we have to change our mind. And so often, it's the other way around, that everything we do is controlled by our mind and not our spirit. So ready again? We are spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit, spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, our emotions, and our will, and we live in a body. They're just bodies. They're just tents. We need to look after them because they are carriers of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to look after this shell so it can last as long as it possibly can so that we can do everything God has called us and destined us to do. Amen? So we need to look after our body. We need to look after our soul, but our soul won't go to heaven. We need to look after our emotions and we need to look after our mind Our our soul is the realm where all the data, our emotions, our feelings, information is all stored in our soul. And John, it says this, it says, I pray that you would prosper and get along well, even as your soul prospers. God wants us to have soul prosperity. So as these weeks unfold, I want to talk about all of these things. I want to talk about the spirit. I want to talk about the, the soul. I want to talk about the mind. I want to talk about us as triune beings. And here's why. For the sake of the world. When, I, you know, when we come to the meetings, I believe as we worship God, it should be a time of celebration. That when the worship team, they've touched heaven themselves, they've come and they've been with the Lord, they're excited. And when we come, there's just such an, there's like, oh my gosh, I get to worship this morning. Like, uh, praise the Lord. uh." Which can't just go through routines, but like, man, something has touched my life. You know, when I I find I'm in the lowest time, and trust me, I go through them, most challenging times where I don't know what to do, the best thing you can do is go and worship. You know, at four o'clock this morning, uh, not this morning, one morning this week, I just, it was so dark and I woke up and I could, I looked at my clock and it was 4 a.m. I'm like, something in my spirit, my body did not want to get up. My soul did not want to get up. Emotionally, I was like, I was feeling the weight of a lot of decisions I had to make. And I got up and I spoke to my spirit. I said, spirit, wake up. I'm calling you to attention. The mind controlled by the spirit 
is life and it's peace. A time is coming and has now come, Jesus says, where worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. You know, when we enlarge our spirit man, it starts to control out the way we think. And if, it's full, if we're full of the spirit of God, the way we think will be like God. We have the mind of Christ. We do. Together, we. Not just me. Not just you. We do. We have the mind of Christ. It's not just me on my own. But you know, it's important how we think. Because if we don't grow our spirit man and fill it with the word of God, we just start to think with our brains all the time. And that can be a massive danger. We can start thinking in our soulish realm and that can be a massive danger. Why? Because it's a memory bank of negative things. And our brain has, will actually put things to caution us, to stop doing us things, to prevent us from doing things, which is really important. It's the way God's made our brain. You know, there's a thing called stage fright where people don't know what to do. It's actually the brain saying, hey, stop. I'm going to shut everything down so you just stop speaking. This is what your brain will actually tell you to cause you to stop so that you don't do any damage to yourself. So there's certain things that God has made this complex being. We're a complex piece of kit. We really are. But what's important is when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, when we get born again, that we allow that regeneration to actually change our soul, to change our mind, to change the way that we think. And we can do it, church. And that's why I want to talk about this, so that it will, for, the, for our sake, but also for the sake of the world, so that we have something to give away. Because the world, just this week, a dear friend of ours found out that they... Um, had cancer. And this is happening all the time. I hate that word. It's demonic. But we have to know who we are. We have to know our authority, the ground on which we stand, because the truth is Jesus came to destroy everything that came to destroy you and me. It was a finished work of the cross. And the head, the mind, everyone say head. The first mention of headship was in the river Euphrates, sorry, in the garden where the river Euphrates in Genesis formed four headwaters. And it was a place of disbursement. It was a place of empowerment. Headship, husband's, husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. What did Jesus do as the head of us, his bride? He empowered her. He empowers us to make us radiant, to make us beautiful, to make us glorious. Headship is a wonderful thing. But when, we are, when our spirit man is not full enough, our mind gets controlled by the patterns of this world. The patterns of this world. The patterns of this world. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul later says in Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to keep in the pattern of sound doctrine. So the way we, we, we change the way we think is to read the word. And study the Word and allow the Word to get inside of us. Can I encourage you to spend time in the Word? Can I encourage you? Some of you think, I'm in a rut, I'm in a pattern. Fall in love with the Word of God all over again. You know, there's a Greek word. It's a Greek word, genosko, which means to know. It's the word, uh, the, in the English, it's know. That you may know the truth. That word know is the word genosko in the Greek. And it actually means to become a part of. It's the same word and... A man or a woman knew her husband and she became pregnant. It's that same word for intimacy. So when we get intimate with the word of God, it goes deep into our hearts. It takes root and bears fruit. It's seed and it grows and it's alive and it changes the way that we think. You know, we think, sorry, we speak at a rate of about 150 to 200 words per minute. The average person does. But you know we think at a rate of 1,300 words a minute. Any mathematicians, how many more t times is, do we think faster than we actually talk? A lot. It's a lot. Eight, ten. <laughs> okay. So we speak a word of 150 to 200 words a minute, but we think at a rate of 1,300 words a minute. Now watch this. Psychologists say... That's called, they call it self-talk, of which 80%, listen to this, is negative. 
The untransformed mind, not you and me. But think about that for a moment. Another, another study showed that 70% of the th- things that we worry about will never actually come true. <laughs> come on! So how do we get transformed by the renewing of our mind? We have to start with our spirit. But watch this. With that being said, looking, thinking about those stats that we speak at a rate of 150 to 200 words per minute, but we think at a rate of 1,300 words a minute, and 80% of that self-talk is negative, and we base our decisions, watch this, we base our decisions on how we think. So if we think negatively, we're going to act negatively. And Proverbs 23, verse 7, you can look this up yourself. Proverbs 23 says, For as a man thinks, everyone say think, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So is it surprising that we have a bunch of people walking around the planet who 80% of what they think about is negative, and as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So they go around doing negative things. Hello. But if we would change the way we think, not to conform to the patterns of this world, then we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. Then we can do his will, but it starts in the head. So the first mention of head, ship was in the river Euphrates, it was a place of empowerment, it's a place of disbursement, it's a place of authority, it's a place, place of, of bringing life. But what I love is after that, it says, in the fall in Genesis chapter 3, God speaks to the woman and he says, because you have done this, curse to you. There was a curse put on mankind. And on the woman, the curse was this, because you have done this, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Before that, God never gave man rule over any other man. It was part of the curse that God said to the woman, because you did this, your desire will be for her husband. When I first read that, I was like, cool. Is that bad? Why is that bad? But if you carry on reading in Genesis chapter 4, where Cain and Abel are together, just stay with me, I'm going somewhere, where Cain and Abel are together, and God speaks to Cain and Abel, and he says to Cain, why is your face downcast If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But he says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires, everyone say desires, to have you. That word desire is not a good desire. And it's exactly the same word for desire in Genesis on the curse. It desires to have you. So part of the curse to the woman, your desire will be for your husband, not a good desire, but one that will usurp and pull him down and undermine him. So when you see it again in Genesis with Cain and Abel, God is saying, it desires to have you. Sin desires to have you. Sin desires to pull you down. Sin desires to take a hold of you. You must master it. And that's why, because of the cross, sin no longer has mastery over us. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? Whew. Okay, everybody okay? Should I go a bit deeper? Are you with me? Are you following me? Okay, going too deep? Is it too deep? We can go up a bit. Go down. Deep. Okay. So I was thinking about David this week. Let's get, in fact, let's go back to that scripture in uh, first. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Actually, I don't think we read it yet. Did we read it yet? Oh, yeah. We're going to get in the Word now. (laughs) 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. In the story of David and Goliath, and I'm just going to take you through this story, and you can read it. It's all here in chapter 16 and chapter 17, and it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating story. But every time I read it, I get more glimpses of, and, and learn more lessons about the heart of God, but also myself. And I look at the things that I've done wrong, and I look at the, where I've failed and where I've fallen short. 
And I looked at the things that have hindered me and things that have stopped me, things, thought patterns, things that I thought about, lies I believed. See, you know, if you, be, if you believe a lie, you empower the liar. And the more we believe something in our own head and allow it to go into our own soul, it'll actually affect the way that we think. It affects the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we live life. God wants us healthy. He wants healthy marriages. He wants healthy leaders. He wants healthy children. He wants healthy bodies. He wants healthy souls. We're going to look as we stay on this series of the importance of having a healthy body. By His stripes we are healed. Something happened at the cross. We are healed. That's why when Al Powers told that story about the pastor, he says, I'm healed! <laughs> because he's actually speaking and confessing a greater reality than the reality that he actually sees. And it takes faith to do that. But when we just look at things in the natural, we say, that's impossible. But church, I love it. I just love it when God just breaks in and does supernatural things. You know, I think I, I told this story um, when we were with the other, the other church a few weeks ago and we had a joint meeting. And I'll tell it again for those who weren't there, but I was leaving uh, England a few weeks ago with Fee and um, we had a staff meeting and um, we pulled everyone together and um, I said, okay, what's, we, we looked at the agenda that we had to go through that day and the biggest topic was um, we need to have a youth pastor. And I said, okay, I get, I get it. I said, I'm going to go back to the States. You know, I'll think about it, pray about it, and get back to you. And at the end, one of the department's heads came up to me and he said, hey, Dan, you know how we've sent some people out to the States and the Horsefuls and the Tanners? And, you know, I just feel like God is going to send an American to come over to England and bring some life and be the youth pastor here. I'm like, cool. And they said, and I feel like you're going to meet, you, you, you know this guy, and his name is Jay. And I thought, I don't know anyone called Jay. Well, if I do, there's certainly not youth pastors. So I said, hey, man, I don't know anyone, a guy's called Jay, but whatever. I'll go back home and see what happens. So I forgot about it, came back home. And um, about a week later, um, someone came to see me um, from out of town and stayed at my house overnight. And when they got there, about five o'clock in the evening, this, I said, do you want to go out for dinner? And so, I, and they said, yeah, I've been in the car for so long. Could we walk? Now, I'm not really used to walking very far. Um, so I just said, yes, because I want to look after my body. Because the powers and the lacavas are here. So we started walking into town. And on the way, we bumped into some people who asked us, Hey, where are you guys from? We noticed you have, uh, uh, where is your accent from? He said, oh, I was from England. So I said, um, so, uh, so I'm talking to this guy um, who I'm with, and the person on my left said, oh, so are you here on holiday? And I said, no, I'm not here on holiday. I live here. This is my home. He goes, oh, no way. What brings you here? And I said, I'm actually a pastor of the church, of a church. He said, that's amazing. So am I. I said, that's awesome. Where are you pastoring? And he said, well, I moved, just moved back from the West Coast, California, and just arrived back here. I said, oh, why did you come back here? He said, I felt the time and the season had come to an end, uh, partially in California. And my parents live here in Geneva, so I'm just staying with them for a little bit. I'm wanting to get engaged in the next few months, and so we're just praying about what we should do next. I said, oh, that's great, man. I said, so what kind of pastor were you? And he said, well, I uh, did a degree in... Um, children's ministry, and then I did another degree, degree in divinity, and then I went to become a youth pastor, so I moved to the West Coast. I'm like, youth pastor? So I'm a little slow. <laughs> so I'm like, is your name Jay? He's like, yes, it is. How'd you know that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm thinking, of, I'm, my mind's trying to go like, wait, 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 wait. wait. Do I say, I you know, what do I say? Hey, nice to meet you, man. You're our next youth pastor. <laughs> Sorry, catch up. <laughs> so I just, I, I stood there just staring at him like, okay. I said, right, so you went to Moody, um, and that's where you got your degree. Where are you at with the gifts of the Spirit? Oh, dude, he says, I totally believe the gifts are for today. I said, that's awesome, because I've got a story to tell you. 
can you come to my house tomorrow uh, on Saturday in two days' time at 3.30? And he showed up, and Fee and I um, took him back to the backyard, and we sat down. It was a nice sunny day, and we said, just tell us your story. And he tells us his whole story, and we're just like, just trying not to get too excited. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Anyway, by the end, we told our story, and he's like, man, I can feel the Holy Spirit all over me. This is amazing. So he's now coming to England next month with his fiance, the church there in Bath is paying for him to come. Never met this guy before. You know, there's something awesome about God. There's something amazing about the gifts of the Spirit. God can just break in, and he can use whoever he wants, and he can, I mean, I mean, I don't normally walk into town, but just happened at that exact moment. That was miraculous. Thank you, Fiona. But, but guys, can you, can you see there's something amazing about really trusting the God of the universe, the God of the impossible? He wants to amaze us, but it's really important that we start saying mind, and we're going to pray in a minute for our minds that God is going to take some, there's going to, there's going to remove those things in our own heads that are stopping us, things in our own motions, things in our soulish realm that hinder us, the Holy Ghost to flow through us. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. What was I talking about? David. So here in this story in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Sam, Samuel comes to Jesse's house. Samuel's a prophet. And he says this, he says, I'm one of your sons, I'm going to anoint king. And so Jesse shows them his boys. And they're standing there, big, strong men. And Samuel says, no, it's none of these. Is there someone else? And they kind of look at each other. If you know, I'm going to take some license here just to picture this. They're stood in a line. They're stood there and the prophet's coming. And he's stood there with a horn of oil. And he's looking for the one to anoint. And he looks at each one of them in the face. No, it's not you. No, it's not you. No, it's not you. No, it's not you. And he says, no, it's none of them. And this is the context where it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. If you like, God looks at the spirit. God looks at the bit that is born again. God looks at the part that is important. God looks at the part that is born of an incorruptible seed. That's where he is. Is there another? Not really. I mean, there's Dave. He's like out there somewhere, like looking after a bunch of sheep. I don't know. Go get him, he says, the prophet. And I'm not going to sit down. When you really read the details in here, I'm not going to sit down until he gets here. So he's standing, waiting for David. So they bring in David, this rugged, red-headed boy, shepherd boy. Not much in his appearance. The one that plays the harp, that likes to sing psalms and write poetry. And they're looking for a man that they can anoint as king. A head and shoulders man. A man who is above the others. And Samuel says, there must be another. And David walks in. And he says, it's him. And he anoints David with oil. And then the most fascinating thing happens. That time goes on and he goes back to looking after sheep again. Meanwhile, there's something happening and the Philistines are coming to threaten God's people. And every day they would line up in their ranks, rank after rank, and they would jeer and threaten and make threats against God's people. So Jesse goes to David one, night, one day and he says, David, I want you to take some pizza. I want you to take some cheese and crackers. That's what I think it is. It's cheese and crackers. Add some ketchup. Now you have pizza. I want you to take pizza. I want you to take some cheese. I want you to take some crackers. And I want you to go to the battle lines, to the front lines, and I want you to feed your older brothers. Can I just say this first of all? That when God has anointed you, when God has spoken to you, when God has put a seed of destiny in your heart, it doesn't matter what you do if you know who you are. And here, the first thing I want to say, church, is that David was willing to serve after he'd been anointed king. David was willing to go back to the mundane after he'd been made king. And there's three things I just want to highlight 
And the first thing that can happen and hinder us in our walk with God that can so often not happen, doesn't happen in our spirit man because we're born of an incorruptible seed. Everyone say incorruptible. But what can be corrupted is our mind and our emotion. Remember, we are spirit, soul, and body. We're triune beings. We are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. But it's our spirit man that is going to go to heaven. It's our spirit man that worships God. That's why we have to speak to our soul. That's why David says in the Psalms, Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's in other words, soul, mind, emotion, will, you're going to worship the Lord. Body, get going, you're going to worship the Lord. And there's something in the humility of David, which I just love. And you see it all the way through, even when he's dancing before the Lord, before the ark in his underpants. And he was mocked by Michael. And he said, I'll become even more undignified than this. I don't give a rip what you think. I'm going to worship the Lord. And I'm going to tell my body. And I'm going to tell my spirit. I'm going to tell my soul from my spirit. You're going to worship the Lord. And church, it makes life a whole much better when you, when you are able to worship the one that you're in love with. When you're able to worship the one that you're in love with, when you're able to take your spirit man, which is stronger, you know, Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the out. Why? Because he understood, I'm going to fill, I'm going to enlarge, I'm going to build up my spirit man, and it's going to tell my body what to do, it's going to tell my mind what to do, it's going to tell everything in me what to do. Now, I believe David was a love child. In the Psalms, it says, David said of himself, in iniquity, my mother, my, in sin I was conceived. In iniquity, my mother bore me. There's a reason. This red-headed boy, nothing wrong with red hair. I have three of them. Um, there's a reason why this red-headed boy is out looking after sheep. And he's not called. Watch this. He's not called when his other brothers are. If anyone had to deal with rejection, it was him. If anyone could say, yeah, but it's not fair. Look at my past. It was him. But he was just happy. Learning to kill the lion and the bear. Learning to write the psalms. Learning to play the harp. Learning to be king. While you're looking after sheep. Can I just say, it's really important that we don't blame our past. Or hide behind our past. Our past is a great teacher but it's a terrible master. Don't live in the past. There were two twins, both born to an alcoholic father. The first twin grew up and he was an alcoholic. And when asked by his counselor, why are you an alcoholic? He said, because my father was an alcoholic. The other twin, identical, never touched a drop of alcohol in his life. He said, why are you not an alcoholic? He said, because my father was an alcoholic. Church, there comes a point where we have to make a decision. I'm not going to live as a victim. And I've got three points, and I'll go through them really quick. Number one is limitation. Everyone say limitation. David was bound by limitation. If you read this story, and there's so much gold in here, this is probably one of my favorite stories. I love to preach it. I've probably preached little bits of this before. But David takes these cheese and this cracker, and off he cheese and these crackers, and he goes to the front lines. And he has his older brother. His older brother is called Eliab. And it says in verse 20, Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men. See, David wants to know what's going on. This is cool. He's like, man, I'm bringing some cheese and crackers, and I'm seeing this battle right on the front line. And here's my brothers. My dad asked me to take stuff to them, and I'm just serving. And you know, I was made king, by the way, but I won't mention that. But I'm just here to serve, and I've got pizza for you guys. And dad told me to come and serve you, and so I'm serving you. I was king, but I went back to serving sheep, and now I'm serving you. Just not saying anything, but anyway, that's the way it is. But verse 28, then Eliab, his oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, and he burned with anger. Watch this. At, and he burned anger at him, and he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know that you are conceited, and how wicked your heart is, and how you only came down here to watch the battle. Wow. Here you have a man who... this. Eliab is, is trying to limit David. What are you doing? 
Why are you here? No, hey, thanks for the food, bro. Because when people are intimidated by someone, they try and control them. And I believe Eliab, deep in his own heart, knew there was an anointing on this young boy. And you can push him out to pasture. You can put him over there. But he, you can try and put a limitation. Everyone say limitation. He tried and put a limitation on him. But David wasn't having any of it. And I love this. And this is a lesson all of us can learn. Watch this. When you face somebody who puts limitations on you. Who left you there? Who did you leave those few sheep? Really condescending. Hey, little shepherd boy. Those little sheep. We are soldiers. You shouldn't be here. Go back to your little sheep. Your few little sheep. Who did you leave them with? What are you doing? We know your heart is wicked all the time. You've only come down here to watch the battle. This is about to get good now. Now what have I done? Doesn't that sound like a younger brother's response? Now what have I done? David said. Can't I even speak? And here's this little line. Watch this. Then it says in verse 30, Then David turned and talked to someone else. You know, when you are faced with somebody that is trying to put a limitation on you, I want to encourage you, church, to turn and talk to someone else. Turn and talk to somebody else that is somebody of the Spirit, that is somebody who's not bogged down with, the, the, with lies that they're believing about themselves or you, but turn and talk to somebody else. Amen? Amen. Okay, you okay? All right, shall I keep going? You want to wrap up and pray? Okay, here we go. So the first was there's a limitation. Mm. The second was manipulation. Everyone say manipulation. I don't really have a title for this message, but um, I'll, I'll think of something. You know, how about this? Dealing with your belief system. There you go. Dealing with your belief system. Then Saul. So here's what's so cool about it. So David turns and he talks to somebody else. Then Saul calls him and says, because... Because he asked the question, David asked this next person, hey, what does the person get that kills Goliath? And he was told three things. Number one, you get to marry the king's daughter. Woo! Number two, you get to live in the king's palace. Woo! Number three, you never have to pay taxes again for the rest of your life. So David's like, awesome. I'm going to do it. So this little shepherd boy says, I'll do it. And Saul, king, hears about it and he says, bring him to me. And then this is what happens. The next thing that we face when we need to deal with our belief system is we have to deal with manipulation. Everyone say manipulation. And what happened is then he said to him, he says, Saul dressed David in his own armor. You know, manipulation is when we try and make a clone of ourselves, or we want someone to be just like us. Because if we can make somebody to be just like us, we're manipulating them because really we want to get all the glory. Oh, I taught them that. Oh, I did that. But what I love again, if you see this underneath the surface, there's a humility in David because David decides, starts putting the armor on. And he says, put on my armor, David. Put, pick up my sword. And he does it. But then David says this, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this. I'm just a shepherd's boy. I'm not used to your shiny swords and your shiny suit. I'm just used to a sling and I'm just used to a stone. That's all I've got. You know, never allow somebody to make, to control you to the point where you're manipulated just to be like them. It's okay to say, you know what? Thank you so much, but I'm going to do it a different way, the way that fits me. Because the anointing isn't just on a shiny suit and a shiny sword. The anointing is also with a sling and a stone. The anointing isn't just on this particular type of person or this particular type of ministry, but the anointing is on people. And the anointing is on all of us because God has called us all. He's appointed us all. He's anointed us all, all in different ways. Whether you have skinny jeans and have smoke machines in your church or you have hymns and hymnals and pews, the anointing of God is just the same. 
I was teaching someone the other week how to do a wedding. They said, Dan, I'm going to do my first wedding in this church. And they sat in my office and I said, okay, this is, this is how you do a wedding. You open it like this and you do it like this and say this and here's the vows. And I always do this and this is really cool and this is really fun and this, this is really humorous. And, this is, and I show, went through the whole thing. I said, oh, thanks so much, man. That's great. Gave him a hug, left. And I went to the wedding. And I sat at the back and I'm like cool hundreds of people i'm not going to tell anyone that i told him how to do this he did nothing i told him to do like not one single thing and i'm like hey and i found myself laughing at myself going that's actually how it should be that's how it should be hey here's a god guideline but do whatever you want be you be who god's made you to be and in this church we're an empowering church be who god's made you to be and allow the anointing to flow. Does that mean we're not teachable? No, it means we're teachable. But have a humility of heart saying, hey, help me. What can I do this best? How can I serve this house? Can I just encourage you, like David, you may just feel like, well, I've got all these words over me. I should be a teacher by now, or I, I'm called to preach, or God said this. But like David, can you say, but you know what, right now, I had this amazing prophetic word over my life, and someone poured oil all over my head and anointed me. But you know what, for a time, I'm just going to go and work in the children's ministry. Go to Jeremy and Dara and say, hey guys, what can I do to serve? Can I be on the welcome team? It's like, wow. That's, you know, I love, I love the local church. I love this house. I love this house more than any other house. Don't tell anyone else. But I really do. But, I, but you know, because, because I know what it's destined to become. But church, can I just say, as we go forward, I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. It's really important. Is it, that is the time, right? Oh, dear. Is it just gone past 2 o'clock? Uh, 12, 12 o'clock? 12 o'clock. That's 2 o'clock. Okay. Next week I'll have notes. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there's a little line in here, another little line. Saul says to David, he says, David, what do you do? And David says this, I used to keep sheep. I used to keep sheep. But if you read it, it says that day, David left the sheep and went to the battle lines. Something happened in one single day in David's life where he went from being from a shepherd boy to I'm about to be a giant killer. Can I encourage you, church, that we today be a day, a day being a, a turning point. We say, I am, I'm going to deal with my belief system. And I'm going to leave that stuff behind. I'm going to leave the opinions of others behind. I'm going to leave the lies of others behind because I want to have a healthy relationship with God. I want to have a healthy relationship with myself. I want to have a healthy relationship with my family and with my kids and with my friends. And therefore, I'm going to deal with my belief system. I'm going to deal with it once and for all. And I'm going to allow this thing to be crushed. I'm going to allow this issue in my head to be dealt with. And the last one was intimidation. David takes his sling and he takes his stone he leaves his shiny sword and his shiny suit that David Saul tried to put on him and he walks up to Goliath and it says Goliath towered over him and he says meanwhile the Philistines with his shield bearer went up in front to keep a close look at David and he looked at David over and he saw that he was a boy ruddy, ruddy and handsome and he despised him in his heart he said to David am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and the Philistines cursed David by his gods come here he said and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields David said to Goliath you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin but I come to you in the name of the almighty God the armies of Israel whom you defy this day this day your hand you will be handed over to me I will strike you down and I will cut off your head everyone say head, head. first mention of headship is in Genesis the, the river Euphrates formed for headwaters the curse was he will strike your heel but you will crush his head what happened at Golgotha 
when there were three crosses. The cross that Jesus was on sunk right into Golgotha, which was a head. It was actually the Golgotha, if you Google it, it's called the place of the skull because it looks like a head. And the promise is you will crush his head. When the cross went into Golgotha, when the cross went into the head, Jesus cried out to Telestai, it is finished. It is paid in full. Jesus came to destroy everything that came to destroy you and me. It was a finished work. <laughs> the wrath of God was satisfied at Calvary. God's not in a bad mood. God's in a good mood. I say this a lot because I believe it a lot. Because it's the gospel. It's the good news. It's why we're here. And today, I just believe, as we do, I just want to ask you to stand in a moment. And I want to pray for heads to be crushed. I believe God wants to crush some heads today. He wants to crush heads. For some of them, it means different things. But for some of it's just lies. It's the belief system has become so powerful and so potent that 80% of what some of you perhaps are believing is negative. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Which means we're acting out of negative response and doing negative things. As a husband thinks in his heart, so is he. As a wife thinks in his heart, so is she. As a family thinks in their heart, so is she. As a church thinks in their heart, so is he. As a city thinks in her heart, so is she. As a nation thinks in her heart, so is she. It matters what we think. Therefore, we need to grow this so that we can control this. Why? Because the mind, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and it's peace. Amen. Let's stand together. Just close your eyes. In fact, if you can, put your hand on your head. I'm going to pray. Thank you, God. Ah, oh, Father. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for every heart. I thank you for every mind. I thank you for every body. But most of all, I thank you for every spirit that's been regenerated, every spirit that's been born again. I thank you for the amazing, powerful cross, for the amazing gospel that brings us life, life, life. It brings us peace. And Lord, I just speak to every head in this place today, in this room today, and I speak to every lie, and I say lies get out in the mighty name of Jesus. Every lie I speak to you, I curse you at the root in Jesus' name. Every pattern that it could have been a pattern for years, patterns of thinking that are ungodly, I just speak to them and I break your power in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that we are your kids, that we are your people and we have rights because of the blood of Jesus, the right to live free. We have the right to live in anointing. We have the right to be your kids. We have the right to be sons and daughters. We have the rights to lift our heads high. We have the rights to live free from addiction and anger and pain. We have the right, because we're your kids, to keep in step and live by the Holy Spirit. So I speak to every mind. I speak to confusion. I thank you that you haven't given us a, a spirit of confusion, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I speak to minds become sound right now, today, in the name of Jesus. Every mind that's been clogged with lies, get out, you lies, in Jesus' name. I speak to the soulless realm for our, our emotions, our memory banks that carry pain, that carry all this information. And I pray, as John did, that we would get along, that we would prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prospers. I speak to emotions and I say, be filled with the Word of God. Be filled with the life of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Whoo! <laughs> I just want to say to you, many of you, you have nothing to prove. You do not have to prove yourself to anyone. David didn't prove himself. He didn't have to prove himself to his brothers. All you're responsible to do is to improve, not prove yourself. Some of you need to let go of, of proving that you're right and just live right instead of proving that you are right. 
God, I just thank you for the patterns that we have created, the patterns of life, the patterns of doctrine, the patterns of our belief system that you would just help us today in the mighty name of Jesus to create new paths in our brains, new paths in our memory. So we could kill every every Goliath and run our race right to the end. Like the pastor in hospital who says, I'm getting better. That in our 90s we'll say we're getting better. That in our 90s we'll say I'm I'm getting I'm I'm whole, I'm healed. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person here. I just speak blessing over them in Jesus' name. You would bless them. Bless them, God. Bless them as they have lunch today. Lord, I ask that your peace would permeate every heart and every mind. Speak for all for, for sickness and disease. Get out. Get out of get off these bodies in Jesus' name. Some of you right now, you I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna show you where some of these things came in and I don't have time to go there now, but Jesus cursed things where they came in. And I want to encourage you, curse it where it came in. 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 Some of you know where a belief system started. Curse it where it came in. Some of you know exactly why you're sick. Curse it where it came in. Curse it at the roots. And it will completely change the fruit. Amen. Love you, church.